0: Hello, everybody. And in case you haven't heard, the Legend of the Galactic Heroes OAV has finally been licensed. Now, uh, I suppose I'm a little late to the news since it was about a week ago that they announced it, but Sentai Filmworks has licensed the OAV, and that's amazing. Um, How Sentai expects to make their money off of this, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'm probably not going to be throwing any money at this, because I don't know how my financial situation is going to look like when it comes out, but also what's accompanying this news is that Viz has licensed the novels, and we'll actually see the novels over here. That's really exciting. I haven't read the novels, except for a little bit of a fan translation that came out a couple years ago, and it wasn't awful, but... um was like, okay, I don't really want to sit here in front of a computer screen And just read a translation, an English translation from Japanese By a dude whose first language is not English Now, I'm sure the translation was probably alright But I mean, it was a fan translation And, um, yeah I'm not one of those dudes who's gonna sit around on um, Gundam Wikipedia's and read like secondhand translations by some random dude, and I felt like probably that translation I read was a little bit better than what I may have read for the Gundam novels that all the people on the Mecha Board read. But that's mm, whatever. So now we're actually gonna get like a real translation or a real official translation. That's pretty exciting. Anyways, so. Today's episode, episode 8, Cold, Clear, Cybernetic Eyes. This episode starts off with a history lecture that really clears up a lot of the confusion I had with the timeline in earlier episodes. Um, They begin their narration of history with humanity leaving Earth and establishing the Galactic Federation in 2801 AD. And starting a new calendar, the first space year. Much like the beginning of the Universal Century in Gundam, it was supposed to be the start of a new age of progress, uh, technological progress, and cultural progress for humanity. But then in, in space year 296, a man by the name of Rudolf von Goldenbaum, a hero in the Confederation, became a politician, held a powerful position in Parliament then, In 310, established himself as Emperor, abolished the Space Year Calendar, and began the Imperial Calendar. His rule, tyrannical, and basically started all the crimes of the Golden Bomb Dynasty that we think of today, or at least today in the anime and in the imperial year of 164 a man by the name of al heinison escaped and led a group of republicans and no not the republicans you're thinking of america but a group of republicans and across a dangerous zone of space and founded the free planet alliance and went back to the space year calendar and thus the war that's been going on into the present day has been started it started off 150 years ago a lot of people died, alone was the big reason, and now, as we saw in the last two episodes, it is in the hands of the Alliance. And now, as we return to the story at hand, we watch Oberstein escape back to Odin, and the Empire is, for the most part, outraged, and we see the Kaiser's aide telling him that it is shameful to have foreigners invade Imperial territory. The show then goes back to Lowengram, who comments on how the Alliance was not foreigners, but rebels in an imperial border zone holding on to the perspective of the empire or basically the piece of propaganda that the empire has been saying for the past 150 years lohengram shrugs off the loss of Ezerloan and tells his men to prepare for orders when his men leave kirkeis comments on how lohengram has no advisor oberstein an easer staff officer who returned alive will likely be court-martialed as a deserter and this same Oberstein seeks an audience with Lohengram alone and asks Lohengram to basically make him an advisor. Oberstein takes out his cybernetic eye and explains his hatred of Kaiser Rudolf and his descendants and desire to see an end of the Goldenbaum Dynasty, telling Loengram that he, Lohengram, is the only one that can take it d- d- down and that Oberstein wants to help to aid in the creation of a new leader of the Empire. Lohengram calls in Kierkeis to arrest Oberstein on treason. Oberstein sees through Kierkeis as he's holding a gun at him, and knowing that he could never pull the trigger because he's far too noble, Lohengram, impressed, declares that he will buy Oberstein from the other nobles. And then we see three important nobles resign from the Kaiser's court, granting Lohengram a lot more power since he created a power vacuum and he pleads to the kaiser to let oberstein off their hook and they allow for these and the kaiser in turn allows for the sort of political manoeuvring to be made Lohengram recognizes that his battles are not only on the battlefield but also take place in the king's courts hence why he needs a man like oberstein to maintain the secret war of conspiracy in this new terrain Kierkegaard rightly sees Oberstein as a dangerous character, but Loengram, also recognizing his danger, sees Oberstein as a useful person in his quest for power and reform of the empire. We see a flashback to when Reinhardt attacks a nobleman who was about to rape a woman, and another repetition of the hatred for corrupt noblemen. We see that Reinhardt also, hates the Golden Bomb Dynasty. Well, I mean, not we already knew that, but basically says it again. But also meditates on the time before the Golden Bomb Dynasty, when Rudolf was just a regular man of ambition. That the empire he made was only 500 years old, and that the terrible people who have inherited all that was sown into the fields by their predecessors only. Get their, deserve, their rank and privilege to steal from others Because of their ancestors Not because of anything of actual worth uh, The theme commonly repeated throughout the whole show Oberstein's eyes, I want to mention Are thematically important they signify not only his hatred for the golden bomb dynasty, for the eugenics program that would have killed him, but function poetically as a sort of truth-telling device. His eyes, mechanical in nature, allow him to see things as they are, like how he sees through Kierkegaard's and his noble nature, and sees the potential future for Lohengram and his poten- uh, political ambitions. And in that way, Oberstein's eyes... Or Oberstein as a character Functions like a camera And whether or not his actual eyes Can actually have like Any sort of mystical abilities or whatever Because I actually doubt that it would But his character Serves the role of the Basically what a camera would do Much like in the same way that we Basically, judge photography to be basically a representation, or rather a capture of a moment in time, a sort of truth. Oberstein serves that role. He is a reformer, motivated by what the eugenicists would have called a birth effect, conscious of history of that has happened and led him up to this point, and conscious of all the political schemes happening to maintain basically the order of power that has happened. He tries. To bring about change Although it is different from Lohengram Who was motivated by a hatred of a class system And their defense of these ignoble men I really do think that Oberstein Is probably the bravest character we've seen um, And I suppose like you could count other Acts of bravery in the show Like all these men going to their deaths And... Um, Lohengrom recklessly picking up a gun and assaulting a party, trying to uh, rescue his sister or whatever. But I really do think that up until then, like, there, up until now, there have really only been two acts of really well-thought-out, calculated moves that really demanded, I think, a commendable acts of courage. And the commendability, other commendable act I could see is Young Winley believing in the Rosenritter, and the Rosenritter believing in him. Um, basically, them taking over the Eizelone Fortress. And here we see Oberstein going to a man who he hasn't spoken to yet, and saying, "Let's commit treason, person I've never spoken to before, but I think might be a good dude." Like, damn. I mean, I guess he was also at like this back to the wall because hey, you know, he had really nothing else to lose. He was going to get court-martialed either way. But I still think that this is one of my more favorite scenes so far. That said, I also want to just talk about the Kaiser for a little bit. The Kaiser is a character is really interesting. He accommodates Lohengram's moves and essentially welcomes the death of the Golden Bomb Dynasty cutting off the rose and leading into a really great like time image where it just cuts into like the narrator talking about what's gonna happen and we see that the king is wishing or the kaiser is wishing for a death worth having and since he is a contemporary of a corrupt dynasty it's like that's really cool it was like wow okay Instead of functionally holding on to power, he welcomes the next political battle when he is going to probably lose his head. And that's really cool. I I think it's really cool. I don't know if y'all think it's really cool, but I think it's really cool. Anyways, as always, if you have any comments or feedback, post it on the blog at dailyanimepodcast.com. Um, send me a tweet at Daily Anime Pod, Or you can send us an email DailyAnimePodcast at gmail.com um, I look forward to hearing back from y'all And I've gotten some pretty good responses And I've been meaning to get around And putting them on an episode Because I think that they're worth talking about um, And yeah, okay Thanks for listening Hope y'all will listen to the next show Bye